All right, welcome everyone to the United Independent Compensatory Code System concept, a compensatory counter-racist code. Um, so we're going through pages 14 through um, 32. And um, getting started, um, you really can't, um, it's hard to summarize um, the parts we read for um, uh, this sort of this kind of book because it's such a you know different kind of book. So maybe um, we could start with like um, our biggest like um, takeaways from what we read. Like, what were some new insight we got from these intro pages? Is that what the question? Yeah. Um, for, for me, like this whole 14 to 32, I would say every section I learned something from and I gained something from uh, exponentially. Um, something that I noticed that I really like about Mr. Fuller is that he actually like explains things and defines things and doesn't use examples or rambling. And so I, the parts that I really liked were like the distinguishing white people and white supremacy, white supremacists and um, the reactions to white supremacy. I liked the different isms that people have. Um, and I really liked the strategies in terms of like, um, like racial classification, confusion, um, population tailoring, population dislocation, confusion, like all of those things are so accurate. And I'm sure every single one of us has examples of that happening to us or to someone in our lives. And I just like that when I see it now, I don't have to call it any other name, but you know, this is refinement of white supremacy using, you know, the strategy of like racial showcasing. So I just really like that. Um, I gained a lot from this section. Yeah, I like, um... Well, did you pass it to someone, Ash? Possibly. Uh, um, I like um, on page 18, I like how he's able to break, make this really insanely um, complex system really like easy to understand. And he kind of, he really simplifies it. I really like the two basic reactions to racism and white supremacy which are um, cooperation with white supremacy or resistance to white supremacy. Um, so that, that was some of my biggest insights. And also the, the four stages of white supremacy, um, establishment, maintenance, expansion, and refinement. But we'll talk about those um, as we progress in the discussion. Uh, I like the popcorn or pass it to uh, Mr. Dale. Corinthians, CJ. Here. Um, yeah, I'm here. So, did you hear the question? Not really. Uh, what was something insightful that you um, read? Um, 
I like the part when. Oops. Hard to say. Hey, like can, can you speak up or get closer to your mic, CJ? Um, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I'm trying to open the part, bro. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Who? Read through the uh, pages. Um, I definitely um, agree with what you were saying in regards to page 18 on the uh, cooperation or resistance. Um, I guess you could call this as a form of resistance, just you know, being on this uh, call. Um, and then also I have the 1984 edition, so you can't, I can see that um, he improved the, um, the code by adding the uh, six major racist strategies by adding those into the code book. Mm. And I would say out of the few strategies that I read, it's like a racial dislocation is one that's taking place um, <laughs> throughout this pandemic, people being dislocated due to not having a job in the area of labor. And uh, that's all I got for right now. Mm. That's fine. We're just getting started. Do you want to send it over to someone? Uh, I'll pass it to uh, B. Um, I guess I'm pretty much like piggybacking off what 0526 was, had already stated about the four basic stages of racism. That really stood out to me because I was able to, you know, with all the, with all of the de definitions of each of the four steps, I was able to understand more and more how they were able to make this craft that they, I've called a craft, honestly, they are just really, I don't want to say the word smart, but I don't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it, this helped me realize what what we're what I'm actually what we're actually dealing with when it comes to white supremacy, oh, racism, white supremacy. So that to me on page twenty one stood out the most to me. Um, and I will popcorn to uh, Sandra. Okay. On um, what stood out to me was on page twenty six, where it talks about racial population dislocation confusion, and it reminded me, or I mean, it got me thinking a lot about what's going on right now, I, I guess, and how the students in the schools, the non-white students are being affected at much more alarming rates by this pandemic, and how the homes are being lost and all that, and obviously, how that's going to affect things into the future, which obviously it doesn't look good or with people um, that big corporations, you know, are dominating, which seem to be very connected with this current white supremacy system. And 
a popcorn to V. Already, oh, I already, I already went, Sandra. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> who didn't go, Dan? Uh, I already went too. Let's popcorn to uh, Ethan. I, I heard everything that was said, but, you know, words wise, but not the names. I'm sorry. Sorry, I feel bad. Not look, look bad. Probably apologize. Zico, did you go? Uh, no, I'll go ahead and go. Uh, for me, um, what Ash was saying really hit hit the you know that really helped a lot. I, I felt that um, with every section, every page I turned, I learned something new. Um, I really enjoy and something that's really different for me and with this book is really how she was saying um, how ne Mr. Le Neely Fuller really defines everything. Uh, I, I enjoy. I really enjoyed the clarification I was getting, and probably the section that stuck out the most to me had to be the uh, powerless and powerful uh, classes. I don't know why that resonated so much with me. Um, maybe it could be given my background and you know, many of the the black people in my life thinking there's such thing as like upward mobility and social classes and there being a middle class, but uh, that, that would have to be the section for me. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it to, has Edward gone? Edward, would you like to share? Um, I don't know if they're connected because I don't see a little thing next to the name. Um, sorry, I was muted. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I stated before I haven't read um, I have a different the second edition. Of the code book, so. So for that email, yeah, I know it. Okay, can you sign up? Okay. You wanna let me already? Um. And I was trying to watch YouTube. Uh, there's a. Um, I'm sorry. Um, we have two. We have two. We have Ben and Dan operating from Tooney from 1984 edition. So. Okay. If you want to share from that, it's totally fine. But it's your choice. I sent it to me and I got the notification. Um, not sure what to share. There's just a lot of information. I've been studying the code for, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Before that, uh, studied the ISIS papers, other books as well. Um, had lots of meetings with uh, Mr. Fuller, uh, Dr. Welsing, and lots of others as well. So, um, if I can be a resource in, in, um, in helping other people to understand some things that they may be confused about in their reading, I'm uh, more than willing to do that. Uh, that, would, that would be very helpful. Okay. Yeah, very helpful. Thank you. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where to start sharing, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're just talking about um, the intro, something that we thought was um, insightful. I gave some clarification about this system from um, what we are um, discussing today. But uh, we we could just get into the, the, the discussion, honestly. 
Um, okay. I think there's people that haven't gone yet. Oh, oh yeah. It's a Ray, I believe. Yes. It's okay. So for just like quickly over um, from that stood out to me were the four uh, basic stages of racism. And I really, uh, I don't want to say enjoyed this part, but I did enjoy this part because it actually got to break down what, what racism is entirely and how it's like maintained, how it moves forward and how it just continues to um, swift over decades and decades and decades and then how it's instilled in this like system. So I really enjoyed seeing it broken down and not just saying, oh, racism as a whole, it's like these different stages and it's not just like one stage and that's it. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Agreed. Um, so I wrote down a, a question and um, so um, the code says that um, there, there are two facts um, and one being the white people of the known universe collectively are the smartest and most capable of all people and the white supremacists, racist men and racist women collectively are the smartest and the most capable of all of the white people. And um, the question is like, what are some things that like, um, that prove this, that we could like see in everyday life, if this is true? Um, because um, I'm sure we could find people who don't think this is true. So the question is, uh, what are some things that prove these two I read, things. I read that, but where, where did you read that? Uh, it may not be in your book because it may be something from a newer edition. No, I, I remember reading yeah. it, but I'm just. But, um, for me, it's on uh, sixteen, page sixteen. Yes, yeah, in there. All right. All right. So, anyone want to take a jab at the question? I think it's um true, and I and I think it's um true because for the majority of um, my life, um, the money I've used and have relied on has come from um, white people, I believe they printed. So um, you have to be um, smart to be able to print and control the money that everyone uses. So I, I think that's enough evidence for me. Anyone wanna share some? Um. So the question you're asking is whether white, whether or not we believe white people are smart. No, I'm saying what are some things that prove these two facts from the code from page 16, the two facts I read. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess the state of the planet is a, is enough proof. They, uh, I think you have to be really smart to be able to control the whole planet and be able to use those resources and take control of those resources. I think, you know, I don't think somebody who um, isn't smart can do something like that. Yeah. So I would have to agree with, I would have to agree with those two facts. But what about um, like rednecks and stuff and like Hicks? Are these um still um like smart white people are are those just like the unintelligent white people are are those um because i hear in australia that 
most of the white people are like hicks and rednecks, but there's still white supremacy over there. So um, I don't think every um, white person is smart, just like um, not every black person is um, ignorant to the system. But maybe uh, you all can um, add some insight to that. I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't think that they all have to be smart because I feel like I feel like one could control the planet by stealing other people's ideas and using them against them. So I think that if one stole other people's ideas that were more powerful through the means of holding them captive as a slave, they could most definitely control the planet just being a terrible person, but not necessarily more intelligent. I wouldn't call it intelligence. I'd just call it being a jerk. Okay, okay. What about is basically they're refining it? They're just expanding practicing white supremacy? So basically... I don't think you have to be smart to kind of continue on the racist that's going on, the racism. You're just kind of feeding into the race, white supremacy society. Because the blueprint's already there. So it's kind of like someone else's idea is already on the table and you're just saying, okay, I want to continue that instead of what's right isn't, yeah. True. I I don't know. You know, I think rednecks and these, you know, hicks are smart enough to use racism and white supremacy to, you know, abuse non-white people and to get what they want. So, I mean, they're definitely aware that 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 system is in place and they definitely know how to use its benefits. And by them using its benefits, they're able to continue, you know, white supremacy continues. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think um, even Hicks and Rednecks have enough intelligence to be um, deceitful and um, untruthful. Yeah, yeah, to be deceitful and to practice racism. I, I'm reminded of um, Tiger King, who is like a um, like definite racist suspect who definitely used um, deceit and harm to um, you know abuse people and. Um, Get ahead. I think Neely Fuller was referring to those German scientists and those French mathematicians and those real brainy Europeans and psychologists that were able to get together and concoct a psychological warfare. You have to be smart to, to install a system, to put a system in place that actually is brilliant, really, to get people to get your enemies to kill each other. Um, although, right, I think they're more but cutthroat. Around, but what if we could change that? That's what we're doing here. I think they're more cutthroat than they are smart, though. That's the reason when those Africans brought mathematics and science and civilization itself, you know, uh, uh, agriculture, everything uh, to the Europeans, um, they that it took, took a lot of years, 700 years. But if you notice now from that time to this time, 
everything, every culture, everything that any culture comes up with, they'll take it to the next level, man. I got, I, I just, like my next door is an example. You were asking for examples. My next door neighbor, he's a world-class swordsmith. He has refined the Japanese sword making to a level where he's on the level with the top Japanese masters. Is he white? Is he a racist suspect? White, white boy, white Nazi dude from Yonkers, New York. Uh-huh. Same thing with this drone. I just bought a thousand dollar West African djembe. I mean, one of the best drum makers in the world. Okay, from 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 this is Guinea Bissau, but they also have them from Ivory Coast, right? Best drum makers in the world, white boy in Santa Cruz. African drummers go to Santa, and I hated to buy that drum from him. It hurt. Oh, it was painful. But the West African world class best drummers get their drums from this white boy in Santa Cruz. Cause he has all the equipment and he has a beautiful shop and all of the materials and the skins and they just find it very necessary to push everything. If you come up with something that's better than what they got, believe me, they're going to try to find a way to outdo you. And, 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 and Dr. Wilson explained why, cause they lack melanin. So I, I'm, I don't, <laughs> they, they, they want everything else. Cause there's one thing that they cannot have. <laughs> hmm. I think, there, I think there may be some truth for that. Mm. Oh, and, I, I'd like to add one thing. Um, I would say with the, the hillbillies uh, being smart is uh, if they teach their children or offspring at like three years old how to shoot a gun and in regards to uh, black parents or black offspring, we don't learn how to shoot a gun until we're like 20 or until like this pandemic takes place. <laughs> so we don't have no accuracy <laughs> and a racist child can shoot us down at six years old. <laughs> and another thing I would add is um, in regards to the one racist suspect, you know, taking over a group of non-white people, I recall uh, Mr. Fuller saying something about um, one racist suspect can go to a, a village in Africa and he could take it over by noon <laughs> because he has a code. Mm, wow. So that's what I got to add. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to add too to what Dan was saying. Not even just guns, you know. White children know how to build things. They could probably build a house or something. <laughs> and like, I never even learned how to use any sort of tools to build anything. So I think that that's also important. Yeah, it's just the way we're trained is just totally opposite to how... um um racist man and racist woman are trained. Therefore, like, you know, we go to Home Depot, we see like white people building what seems to be like houses by all the stuff they're buying. But, um, you know, I'm 29, totally, totally like, unequipped to um, survive in this war that um, I have discovered that I am in, unfortunately. Then I had something to add as well. Um, just to answer your questions, Swall, I, def- I definitely think that they are smart because you said provide an example. So for an example, I'm thinking of like just the systems within society and specifically education system and how they strategically set that up in order for you to go up this like kind of like a chain of command 
in order to quote unquote be successful. So then it manipulates the mind so young in like elementary or even before getting to school, you're manipulated by your parents too, like saying, oh, you have to go to do this and go to school and do all of these things. So then that's like the, a very strategic way because it's like pushing um, European ideologies onto um, young, young children all the way up to adulthood. And I'm still in my, getting my education now and I'm 25 and I'm getting my master's. So it's like this continuous cycle. And then we keep thinking like, oh, if I just one up, you know, even if you wanna just do research, it's like to be even considered like a researcher, they say you have to have some form of like education. So it's like the way the system is set up specifically education, it's, it's very intricate. Hmm. Yeah, and it's like they already start off with the leg up because every child has to learn the white person's native tongue. So they have to learn the white person's psychology because that's what language is. It's like a representation of our psychology. So already like they have a leg up. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Ash. Sorry, just one more thing. And also what we are learning in these education systems, like that is not only a leg up, but that is um, like mind controlling because we learn nothing about like non-white history or African history. We only learn about European history. Therefore, they are pushing this from early on until now. Like we have to get to college and say, I want to take an African-American studies class. And even then it's, it's like glossed over. So great point, Ash. Thank you. Yeah. And I would say that, um, that the schools, of course, don't teach the truth because it's not, I don't think it's about, um, necessarily about learning, um, only about history, it's about learning the truth. Like Dr. Francis Crespelsing said, like black students, non-white students need to know that they're being um, inferiorized. But I think these schools just teach racist logic. They just teach our kids how to think like a, like a white person. And therefore they grow up like, you know, like saying like, you know, when bad things happen, they're like, oh, that was dark, man, that was dark. You know, and like, you know, we just grow up saying this using this racist logic this coded racist speech to um, sub tell our brain computers subliminally that um, black is bad, kill black, control black. And um, yeah, I, I can't, I don't know what that does to like the brain on a metaphysical level, if it does anything, but it can't be good. You know, definitely doesn't like do us any favors in regards of like caring about being successful in education or caring about much of anything as far as my experience was growing up and as a prisoner of war, unaware. Mm. Yeah, I like how Neely Fuller interconnected everything to everything. And that was an excellent question. You know, well, he made the statement and you asked the question, are white people more intelligent and more capable I think that's how, how it was phrased, right? Um, no, I just just wanted to, are they the, just to see if these two facts were accurate, the two facts being um, white people of the known universe collectively are the smartest and the most capable. So yeah, I guess that is the question, yeah. Right, so, so you know, I disagree with that statement. Now in contemporary terms, yes. Obviously, they've structured everything to put themselves on the top, but they're the dumbest motherfuckers on the planet. Okay, these motherfuckers are not even human. They're savages. 
And what happened when they did get the civilization, when they did get the education, they completely, totally disregarded the spiritual. And that's why I like Neely Fuller, how he brought he brought the, 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 the definition of God and religion into it, where, where everything you do is your religion. And these people, when they were introduced to civilization, they had no ethics. They had no morality. They were sleeping with, uh, they, they, had, they didn't know animal husbandry. They would sleep with their animals and get all kinds of diseases and shit. So they, uh, they took the technology, but they did not take the spirituality. They did not take the morality. So you can't apply 100%. That's why we're living in total destruction right now. Total, total decay, total mayhem, total anarchy all over the world. Murder, rape, genocide, poison, drugs, all kind of just destruction, just destruction, right? Because they, they took the technology and didn't take the spirituality. They did not take the morality. And, and the morality and the creativity is 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 a is is an, an aspect, is a component of intelligence. Mm. But I, my question to you would be if they're not the smartest people and most capable people on the planet right now, then how is the system? functioning like i don't know how much it matters that they had a rough start <laughs> in their early days they've they've like you know they've conquered the world you know and i grew up thinking that like it was impossible for someone to conquer the world because i would see these villains on cartoons say they're going to conquer the world that's impossible you know no group of people could actually take over the world it's impossible but then lo and behold um white people racist man racist one woman have done that yeah i was you know as ben was talking it made me think like this this statement is actually even more accurate not only have white people gotten you know non-white people to act like them they've also made it made it so that they function inferior inferiorly to them so in all in all areas of people activity you know we non-white people are lagging behind you know and that's the that's you know, that comes down to what, what the white supremacist has done, and that come, comes down to the system that they put in place. So I think what, what Swa used the phrase earlier, but at this moment in time, I think it's a fact that, you know, white people are, would be considered the most capable and the smartest and the smartest group of people in the known universe. Mm. Oh, I would just, so, uh, can I add one thing? Yeah. Oh, you can go first, Ed. Uh, okay. So I think uh, there are some people who are equating being smart with intelligence. And, uh, you know, that's fine if, if you want to do that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, when it, when it comes to measuring intelligence, um, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, there's really no way of doing that. If you talk to Mr. Fuller about it, um, he keeps everything in the simplest terms. I mean, kindergarten logic, as he would call it. Um, and, and I've asked him that question. Uh, when I first started reading the code book, I think it was, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe 2001. And I started with a, a group of guys, and when they came across that phrase, oh, they just threw the book away. 
You see, it's hard. It's difficult for for black people to accept that white people may be smarter than them. All right. So it's. Um, but I kept I kept studying it. I I asked Mr. Fuller that question, and his response to me was uh, that a smart person is a person who is uh, able to do whatever it is that they set out to do. That was the definition he gave me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, come on, Fuller. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's basically what it is. And it don't matter how they set out to do it. They are, a smart person is able to do what it is that they set out to do. And, you know, black people will say, yeah, but they're conniving, they're treacherous. Well, yeah, they use all of those tools in order to get done what it is they set out to do. Wow. So I asked Mr. Fuller, I said, well, what makes them smart? And he said, their code makes them smart. Mm. Racist code. They know exactly what to say, what to do, what not to say, what not to do, where to go, where not to go, et cetera, et cetera, in order to get done what it is that they set out to do. Thanks for that insight. And Dan, did you want to? Um, what I was just gonna—I was gonna go back to the point with uh, about you know, like the hillbilly, uh, you know, kind of like white people. I like they teach racist child, you know, three years old how to shoot a gun. And I was like, I don't know if any of us can, you know, take on racist child. Like we might, you know, <laughs> get, you know, because they got reinforcements coming in. We don't. And we, you know, a little six-year-old come off the floor with a, you know, thirty-six-year-old black man. Yeah, I want to introduce some some harsh reality. Like, um, I know tons of um, attempted um, non-white parents who um, teach their um, children a ton of dance moves. You know, they, their their child could do all the TikTok moves or whatever. But does their child understand racism? No. Can their child um, shoot a gun? Of course not. Because we're, we're trained um, totally differently. We're trained to be, as Neely Ford says, um, monsters and monstrosities who um, only want to do destructive behaviors. And um, that can be seen um, 24-7. Um, if I'm wrong, I would love to be, um, you know, I'd love to be wrong so I could not live in this war zone. I think also um, Ed makes a really good point because like when Neely Fuller says that he's saying white people collectively so it's like as a group they're the smartest because they're the most on code and that they know what their group wants and they know what to do to get what they want versus non-white people I don't even think they have a consensus on what they want what type of society they want yeah so they don't even know the next step to get there yeah like very few um non-white people will say they want a system of justice where no one is allowed to be mistreated and those who need the most help receive the most constructive help because they'll say they want freedom and liberty but what they don't have it really well thought out enough to you know make it tangible i believe 
Um, was anyone going to say anything? I think because people of um, non-white people probably feel like they don't know the next step, or we kind of had a code, but we we don't know how to use our own code to come together as one. What what code did we have that we used to use? Um, I know probably during slavery, pe people used to sing songs through message, through code. But um, I mean, that's probably one of many, but I feel like we kind of lost out of touch of that. Um, I, I think um, the code needs to solve the, the problem. Um, um, white people, unfortunately, had to free um, black people out of slavery. So I, this um, during slavery, black people were unable to um, develop a um, a code. Um, thus far, um, the only code I have um, um, found is the code presented here in this um, book by Mr. Lee Fuller. But I could be incorrect. I could be incorrect. But I think uh, that's a... due to fear and due to a lot of people would rat out runaway slaves that wanted to plot and plan to get away. So it was fear and kind of turning on each other as to why we couldn't even try to get a code or stick to a code. Mm. And just to add to what Chris is saying, like I totally uh, see where the, the thought is going. Uh, I think the reason why this code exists now is because there has been a trend, like a, a shift in identity for non-white people. But if you take it all the way back, even before slavery, there had to be a code because it was a natural code, like spirituality. You, we didn't have to do the things now where we have to go kill and all of these things, right? Like the, uh, like violence and that didn't really exist in the form of what we are experiencing now. And then what we're experiencing now is different than what slavery was, what they experienced during slavery. So it's like this transforming thing that's happening where we have to continuously be on code and the code transforms. That's why there's revised and expanded versions because it keeps getting refined. So this is where we are now. So we're at this code. So we have to figure out how to stop it now with what we have. So definitely understand what Chris is saying. So just want to add that. Mm -hmm. Great that point, profound. Chris. That was profound. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they murdered all our leaders. They were coming up with because Malcolm X was trying to get us to join the um, organization of African unity, which within that organization, there would, would have been a code of conduct for us never to hurt each other, for example, no name calling, those kind of things. Mm. Um, I think it's um, really important to um, understand the uh, two basic methods of practicing racism and white supremacy. That's from page 20 of the revised edition. And uh, he, he says, according to compensatory counter-racist logic, there's reason to believe there are two basic methods of practicing racism and white supremacy. Deceit, subtle or indirect violence and direct violence, including the threat of violence. Explanation, deceit. 
saying things that are false and influencing non-white people to believe things that are not true. This is done in such a skillful manner that all non-white people directly or indirectly submit to and or cooperate with the practice of white supremacy, racism, violence, using or threatening to use direct or indirect bodily harm against non-white people who do not submit to and or cooperate with the white supremacists in a satisfactory manner. White supremacy racism is always practiced with deceit or with direct violence or with a greatly sophisticated combination of both. And um, I'm sure as we have we have, I'm sure as we have become, become less confused about this problem, we can think back on, um, wow, this white person was being um, racist towards me by either lying to me or mistreating me. And um, especially in the people area of um, education, I know myself and um, Carice were um, heavily abused by our white um, racist teachers in elementary. And um, yeah, so racism, white supremacy, one-on-one, -on -one. terrorize the children young so they'll grow up to find monsters. It was basically direct. Yeah. Any comments? Yeah, I would... Uh have to say um maybe uh i think deceit is probably something that i see much more often at least in my personal everyday life i think uh, that direct violence that we see a lot of this seen in other places of the world which makes me think uh, maybe deceit is like the choice of the the what the weapon of choice for the white supremacists when they're dealing with you know non-white people that are amongst them um, mm. I see. I see a lot of deceit in politicians, politics mainly. Uh, I mean, in education. I was listening to one of the the coach. I was listening to it, and uh, Neely Fuller said something along of the lines of, "Some a uh, white person is a white supremacist the moment they um, withhold constructive information. So, you know, using deceit. The moment they use deceit, they're oh, they're considered white supremacists under the system until it ends. And that really get that really makes me, you know, that really puts a lot of things into perspective that, you know, the once you once you do something like that, once you commit, you know, deceit, and that's how we should that's how we should be uh that's how we should follow that's how we should be following it. So once a once a white person uses deceit to deceive another person, they can't be trusted. I mean they can't none of them can be trusted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with the deceit a lot. And I feel like even though I understand it, I, I still fall for it. Like I had an experience the other day where someone was supposed to be like doing maintenance where I live and they were like telling me things that things that were not a big deal when I first I thought they were but the way they said it over time I kept thinking oh it is not a big deal and then by the time they left I was like wait no I, they left and I have to deal with these problems that are a big deal and that person just used deceit by like you know not answering my questions and by you know making me basically think I was okay when I'm not okay and I thought that 
even though I'm kind of aware of it, it's, it's so deceitful that I fall for it because I, I still have to remember that their intentions are not like my intentions. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that, Ash. Um, what I've noticed about a lot of the ways that white supremacists um, communicate, they do a lot of circumlocution. And basically what that word means is that they talk in circles and it's, they're still remaining evasive. And so when you ask them direct questions, they just talk in circles, 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 circles to keep you more confused. And what I do now when, I, when I'm asking a question and they start doing that, I go right back to the question. They go, I don't think you've answered my question. So please um, let me restate the question for you. And I would like for you to give me a direct answer. It's either yes or no, or whatever that may be, but don't, don't put me in circles here. But that's, I've noticed that they do that a lot with um, non-white people is they love talking in big circles. Um, have you guys experienced the circle talk as well? Oh, oh yes. I, um, I actually, um, it's so, so, it's so profound, TBH. I had a, I have a, um, had a white professor there. We're still in contact and, um, and, and I, I only hit him up for constructive advice now as I hop on code. But, um, I always thought he was just really like, um, smart and like intelligent because he would use like a lot of like clever words when we were like having meetings you know and i and i i was like boys a lot of information about my life you know from south central you know poor sad you know nigger boy sad life and uh, and um at once at one point i i was talking to him and he literally cried which is a racist attack a white person crying in front of a non-white person is a racist attack because they have nothing to cry about under the system of race white supremacy but it's just an example of um, this professor who clearly knows that my life has been um, not the best because of racism and white supremacy. He never, he not once mentioned that, hey, it's, been, it's racism. It's not really like trauma is a part of it, yes, but the trauma is from racism and white supremacy. So that professor is definitely a racist suspect for sure, if not of white supremacist, according to the code. Anyone else want to care to I'd like to add that? Stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, does anyone else want to answer? But go ahead, please. I'd just like to say that um, I'm not sure who it was who brought up the withholding constructive information comment, but that's a huge one. They don't actually have to lie to you directly. They can say absolutely nothing when they should be providing you with constructive information. I noticed that this happens a lot in um, discussions where there's more than one white person, you know, where one white person will lie directly to you. And the others in the room will say absolutely nothing. Mm. You know, so they won't try to correct that white person because, I mean, that's part of their code, right? <laughs> They practice racist code in a united, independent fashion. You yeah. have to be mindful of that. They have it down to a science. So they'll say absolutely nothing. They won't say, no, 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 what you're saying is not true. And this black person right here needs the truth. You need to tell them the truth. No, they won't say that at all. Mm. So if you're ever in those kind of situations, you know, think about that. 
so you're understanding what's happening real time. You know, develop some code, what to say or what to do, so that when you're in that situation, you can respond accordingly. Um, Edward, I was wondering, yeah, so when you are in that situation and you, there's more than one white person, do you, I would, I would guess you would not confront the other white person who's being quiet. Would you ask them in a courteous way, like, what is your opinion on what this person said? Like, how can you um, figure out? I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, how would you navigate that situation in your opinion? Um, I would turn to one of the other white people and just ask them a simple question. Is that true? And wait for their response. That's what I've done in the past. And there are times when white people, you know, will say, no, that's not true. But they won't say nothing until I ask something. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's really important when, you, when you're practicing counter-racism code or attempting to practice counter-racism code, however you refer to it as, that you understand what's going on in real time so that you can counter what it is that they're saying or doing. And so I, the person that said, uh, no, that's not true. I say, well, okay, well, what is true? Mm-hmm. And they'll wait. They'll wait. They'll wait. And they might say something, and most oftentimes they won't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. White Supremacy 101. Jeez. So, um, I'm sure we all, or most of us, read the um, the classes. Um, actually, no, I, I think I'm, am I skipping ahead? Or is that before? Oh, yeah, I don't know where, the, where he mentions, like, the classes of people. Classes are on page 14. Oh, okay, yeah. I, oh, yeah. So I, I can I can ask this question. Um, what what class does everyone here belong to? Um, and I think it'd be a good exercise, you know. So what class are we are we all in? I, I believe yeah. I am in the in the powerless class. I believe I was born in the, born in that class, but I did not feel powerless. But I am in the powerless collective. Anyone else want to give an answer? Uh, I would have to agree. I'm in the powerless class also. Uh, I don't know anybody, you know, in my family or that I'm related to that would be considered in the powerful class. Um, I'm powerless. I'm in the, in the powerless class for sure. Um, same here. Uh, powerless class for sure. It's, uh, I would also have to say that I identify with the powerless class. So. Mm. I second that. 
Just making sure nobody's in denial, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, powerless. <laughs> Zero dollars net worth, powerless. But no, um, I don't know system of white supremacy. All non-white people have value because we're we're owned. But I could be incorrect in that. But I think that's racist logic. Upper middle class. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I, I hope um be um in your in your in your time here on planet Earth um that serves you well. Um. Okay. I, I forgot. I forgot my um. Uh, does anyone have anything to comment? You know, to, to, to share. Well, well, actually, one second. On nineteen, I think it's very important that um that whenever we have the um, fortune of talking about racism with um, victims who um, may be interested in like learning more about it, it's really important to have a definition because a lot of people like you can waste hours talking to someone talking about racism and their definition is not even the same as yours. So I wanna read this definition so everyone is clear maybe Someone may have questions on it, or maybe can even um, add to it, elaborate on it. So from 19, racism, um, one or more white people using deceit, direct violence, or the threat of violence to promote falsehood, non-justice, and incorrectness against non-white people on the basis of color in order to satisfy white people in every area of activity economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, in war slash counter war. So everyone understand this definition and how this definition functions as a functions as a global system where white people are dominating us. That's a little, that's a little different definition. Yes. That's a little. That's a little different definition than the uh, in the first book, mm. I believe. <clears throat> could you read the definition in the first book? Uh, if anyone has, it, wish, if you have it in front I of you, I could. I don't. I don't. I don't have it. Oh, okay. Uh, give me a minute. I, I can, think I can find it. I got the 1984 one. Well, Ben has it too. Ben, it's um for me. It's on 19. I don't know where it is for you. So it was the definition of racism. Yeah, one or more white persons using direct, uh, I was going to actually read this, using deceit, direct violence, and or the threat of violence to promote falsehood, non-justice, or incorrectness against non-white people on the basis of color in order to, yeah, it's the same, satisfy uh, white people, one or more areas of activity, including economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and or war. Mm. Okay. I'm glad you went there. Can I can I chime in, or? Oh um no, actually no, I was just gonna um add that I actually like um Chris Wilson's definition. I think they're um both um fu functional. But yeah, we're gonna say Ben. So I'm I'm so enamored with these definitions because we're talking about a people with these definitions. He, he, the the meism. I don't know if you have it in there, the meism, the twoism, tribalism, and universalism. 
Um, you know, we're talking about a people from the, the caves, uh, the mountains and caves and snow when the earth was not their friend. So that's where the law of self-preservation, so-called the first law of, of nature is self-preservation. And we've all adopted that. We all agree to it. And that's something that that's a good example of how we are behaving in the way that we've been conditioned by them, because that is not the first law of nature for the people. Of, and and it's, it's, I was reminded the people of, of, of the sun, of, of, of Kemet and Kush, of Africa, us, um, anyone speaking, thinking, acting or to satisfy himself with little or no concern for others in our more, one or more areas of activity, including economics. Same thing with two. And then it goes into the tribalism, um, thinking of no one else. Whereas you know, the original peoples depended on survival of the group. So that meant I had to look out for you and you and you. And then in turn, you would look out for me. So it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a matter of self-preservation. Um, and so uh that that that's that's a, a form of deceit to to promote and perpetuate um self-preservation being the first first law of nature mm. Mm. yeah i think i found it um in the first book the scientific practice of unjust subjugation misuse and or abuse of persons classified as non-white by persons classified as white on the basis of color or non-color and or on the basis of factors associated with color or non-color. Mm. But it was that non-color part. Uh, I've had many discussions with Mr. Fuller about about that and how that's going to confuse a lot of non-white people. But I thought I heard someone read that they have the first edition. Yeah. And um, he did not say that. Yeah, but um, I'm, I, he has the definition. We're early in the book. I'm sure the definition that you read is appears later because he. Uh, I remember reading the definition um, later in the book as well with a more... Um, um, we'll, we'll, pay different, we'll pay a different definition, but Dan and Dan, they're the ones with the older one, so they can. Okay, okay, 1984. Okay. That's what this book is. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I agree. So. Then the non color part is very confusing. Do you, Ed, know what uh, Mr. Fuller's reasoning for putting that in there? Um, some of the discussions, and, and this definition came out of the back of the 1984 edition. Um, years ago, he, he said he was trying to convey that um, racism, uh, anybody that's a member of a race could practice racism but the only functioning form of racism on the planet is white supremacy. I said, well, that's too confusing, <laughs> you know? Uh, you have to have 
conversations like that, with Mr. Fuller. You, you have to almost battle him because he will hold on to it, <laughs> you know. Um, like the conversation I had with him about maximum emergency compensatory justice. Well, that's not justice. <laughs> and we went back and forth and back and forth, and he finally admitted it. He said, you're right, that's not. And so in the new book, I am told, the latest edition, he changed it to... Action. The last what, I, is, yeah. what I suggested, yeah. Maximum emergency compensatory action, yeah. yeah. But un unless you you know, have those kind of conversations with him. Um, you know, you, you can't really get to the root of what it is that he's trying to convey with those definitions. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that he changed it to what it is in the later revision book so that people can get a sense of racism and white supremacy being the same thing. Mm. That's what it sounds like now, which is good. Because they are the same thing. There's no other form of racism in the known universe. <laughs> you know, so changing that definition, I'm glad he did that. Mm, yeah, and um, the, the word guide, it, it, it probably it has a different definition. It has the one that you read, but it may be um, updated. And um, it says racism uses term to apply to one, the scientific practice of unjust subjugation, misuse, mistreatment, and abuse of persons classified as non-white by persons classified as white on the basis of color or non-color or on the basis of factors associated with color or non-color and or to the system of white supremacy. So he connected them. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm usually, uh, whenever it appears later in, in the code book, I believe um, he just says racism and white supremacy like together interchangeably. Um, I think- yeah, I, I, mm -hmm? I suggest everybody, you know, if you have a few minutes uh, in your day, call him up and talk to him about it and he'll explain it to you. And if you have a better definition, I mean, just keep hammering it. He may adopt it. Mm. Uh, well, um, if you if you want to share his number in, in the Zoom the Zoom chat, feel free. Um, okay, I think I have his. He probably, he probably loved to, to to join this this group. <laughs> I think it's really important to talk about the um, four basic stages um, white of white supremacy. And um, maybe um, let's take some take turns take um yeah turns reading each one, and um maybe elaborating on them because they may not all be that clear. So um, I'll start with um establishment. Um, the sum total of all speech and or action by those white people who seek to dominate and mistreat through their practice of racism, those persons classifies as non-white. Okay, so I'm guessing this is just like, you know, creating it in the first place and taking it over and, and, and right? It's just the creation part. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, 
Oh, go ahead. I, I think so. <laughs> That's all I was going to say. So what's it, where is that where is that tray? Let me see if I can find. Hey, I'm I'm um. I mean swap. Yeah. Um, that's on page twenty-one. In your book. Uh, I have something. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when you mentioned establishment and you talked about like creating, like simply creating, I think it's a little bit more deep than that. Um, Cause when I think of creating, I think of just something like an idea, like, oh, I just created this and let's see if it will go. And then establishment is more of like, this is the agreement I'm standing by. This is something that I'm establishing and like pushing forward with. So it's like more of like, I don't want to use the term aggressive, but aggressive, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. To add to, to what Ray was saying, I think it's, it's more, if to give an example, it'd be, you know, racism all, all already exists and maybe going somewhere where maybe racism doesn't affect people as much and going there and establishing it there, you know, starting it there, making sure that, you know, people can now effectively start practicing racism here because I've established it. That's kind of how I understand um, establishment. Mm. All right. I think I think that makes sense. Anyone want to read the next one? Maintenance. The sum total of all speech and or action by those white people who practice racism and who seek to continue maintain the practice of racism at all times in all areas of activity. Hmm. Yep. Um, I think I believe like 99.9 percent of um, white people participate in the maintenance um, racist suspect or not does that make does that logic make sense can you repeat that uh, I think every white person participates in the maintenance of um, the system whether they're a racist suspect or not I would agree and even say you know non-white people uh, there's a lot of non-white people who are also taking part in that maintenance. I agree. I agree. Unless you, unless, unless they are actively engaging in a formal um, effort for truth and reconciliation and reparations. That's their, that's their, that's their, That's the only. That's the only exception. If you're, if, if if a white person is engaged in those two things, some kind of formal truth and reconciliation process and reparations. Hmm. Yeah, a, a white person to like just using um logic. A white person will literally have to spend twenty four seven like thinking and speaking action against racism, white supremacy, which I think um due to how the system is set up, is impossible. So, um, but yeah, but when there's a will, there's a way that they like to say. So maybe it is possible. I don't know. But I have yet to see it is what I do know. Um, any more comments about the maintenance? All right, does someone want to read the next one? I'll read it. 
Expansion, the sum total of all speech and or action by those white people who practice racism and who do so in a manner that directly or indirectly helps to promote and increase, expand the number of non-white people made subject to racism. Mm. And would you like to give an example of this expansion technique or strategy or state? Right. Breitbart. <laughs> Breitbart is the news publication that's funded by the Mercers, who is, is actually behind Donald Trump in that whole movement. Nobody talks about the people that are behind him. Uh, uh, oh. Oh. Uh, sorry, go, uh, go ahead. Um, you want to bend or repeat what he said? What was the movement called that it kind of skipped out on me? It's a news publication called Breitbart. Steve Bannon was the editor. He's multi-billionaires. Okay. The Mercer, the Mercer couple, the Mercer family are the backers of Trump and pretty much finance everything behind everything that they're doing. And it's there under the radar. I, I don't know, has anyone in here heard of the Mercers? I have not heard of the Mercers, but I've heard of Breitbart. I think, uh, um, a clear example of expansion could be um, the Middle East or Israel, you know, where we have white people um, now living in um, the desert and um, right next to that um, area of the world, um, the people who are called the Palestinians are being um, killed and pushed out. So that's a great example of expansion, the so-called area of Middle East um, located in um, North Africa, that place is said to be um, by Mr. Fuller an experiment that will um, go on forever and it will consist of um, nothing but misery for the, um, for the non-white people who are exposed to it. And yeah, that's clear to this day. We have invaded um, that area of the world shortly after 9-11 and um, 20, 19, I don't know how many years later, we're still still killing them. Um, uh, uh, a terror fact, um, the height of the men in that area of the world has decreased due to how many um, non-white um, males have been killed by white supremacy in that area of the world. So imagine that. Yeah, I wanted yeah, to I wanted add to for- that. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, I wanted to add, I think, um, for expansion, I think social media has con contributed gravely to that. When you think about websites like Twitter and Facebook, I understand racism to be like war. And that war is, you know, the, the messaging, the images, the, the stimulation that you are constantly being bombarded with. When you hop on the social media, you witness a lot of things that you don't want to see uh, that, you know, can affect somebody when they see it. So I think social media definitely plays a role in that expansion and it definitely allows more non-white people to be subject to racism because now there is a new platform and a new medium channel for you know racists to reach non-white people. Um I, I yeah, I agree with what Kwaku said. I thought that was a really good observation because I think social media is or like just the advent of the internet in general is like a faster way to spread white supremacy because everyone 
and then and you can see like everyone is more likely to fit into whatever white European norm it is, not just in the way they look, but in the way they think and structure their lives. And I also agree so much with what Swa was saying. When I think of the expansion, I just think of colonialism and like invading countries. Um, I don't think that there's like a place in the world that has not been invaded by white countries and you know are not dependent on white countries in some form um, in terms of like trade and stuff like that. And actually what Swa was saying about the people in um, the Middle East, so-called Middle East, that's, that also happened in the Philippines too, in the, um, which is something that we don't talk a lot about in America is that there was a genocide happening in the Philippines as well, which caused the average height of the person, people in the Philippines and Puerto Rico to be shorter because they killed so many males. That was awesome. Uh, just to add to that, I actually wanted to, uh, I kind of seen it, I see it a little bit differently with social media. I see social media as more of a refinement tool rather than an expansion tool, only because before we hit social media, we are already manipulated into the system of white supremacy. So there's nowhere to expand because we're already affected and already um, like victimized. So then that goes into the social media reinforcing this idea. So then that's how like they are more efficient and being the victims are being more acceptable to it. Mm. But when I think of expansion, I think of like all those expeditions and like, oh, I'm going to go over here and trade some goods. But in the idea, um, but in reality, their goods was I'm going to go over there and spread my white supremacy and, you know, embrace of their goods. But yeah, when I think of media, I think of definitely uh, that's a refinement tool. And then each time they, come up with a new app, that's their way of being strategic. Like, hey, how am I gonna furthermore um, take hold of them? So not only do we have Twitter, we have Instagram, now we have this thing called Clubhouse because now that they are already interested, let's go ahead and have unconstructive conversation to really wrap them around our fingers. So it's kind of interesting how this thing is keep getting refined through media and social media. Um, so yeah, I wanted to just mention how I viewed those, our media in general, like transmedia um, in these four stages. Mm, I think uh, what you said is... That's true. I think the media costs as well for Black people or non-white people to be hopeless as well. A lot of killings that they see and the things being done causes them to feel hopeless in the system that that they're living in. Sorry, just to add one more thing. Thank you, Carice. Uh, you brought up the idea of being killed and I, I simply went to television or the news. And that's a great example of this refinement system because they already created an image and identity for non-white people or specifically African-Americans in general, African-American men. So they perpetuate and continuously push this idea through television or the news such as like they might show like a an african-american male or a black person in general like stealing something and that's their way of continuously pushing that image of like oh they're all stillers oh they're all this capitalism capitalism is expansionism of white supremacy period 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was I would say uh, what Ray said was really um well said. Uh, but I would think that um like I think it could be both like um like giving um going over to brown countries, non-white countries and giving um people like these phones and, and this technology that that could be seen as expansion and refinement because not only are you like um you know because um it, it could be both i believe yeah. um but there's someone have, did someone read some, the refinement already uh no but i i wouldn't i'll read that right. refinement the sum total of all speech and or action by those white people who practice racism in a manner that improves refines the methods that helps to make the practice of racism more efficient and or more accept- acceptable to their victims. Mm. Um, I would say, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead no, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, I thought the refinement is happening right now um, in terms of the Joe Biden presidency. I feel like the Trump presidency was more of the obvious face of America. And I think that Joe Biden becoming president is a refinement of white supremacy because I don't think that they want people to really see the face of white supremacy as blatant as it is with Trump. They'd rather be some have someone who practices white supremacy but doesn't say it so explicitly. Mm. I have something, I don't know where this would fall into the three um, or to the four basic stages, but what do you guys, what do you all think about when it comes to like food? Food meaning, you know, fast food, um, places where non-people of color live where they have like food deserts and they're only offering fast foods, which makes it even more susceptible for you to fall into the trap of, I'm not trap, but fall into the notion of, um, being a part of their their whole master plan of us being uh, under their white supremacy system, like where would you guys would that go? Would you say that would go under refinement, expansion, maintenance, establishment, or do you think it just doesn't even would go under neither? Either I, was, I, was, I think it's establishment and maintenance. Yeah, yeah. I think you can't set up a white supremacist system without making people dependent, and the easiest form of dependency is like not having access to like your own food production i i would i kind of think it's all for honestly because we have the establishment um you know i could see that as you know getting non-white people to accept this food like this is the food that we're going to be feeding you uh maintenance is you continue to give people that food expansion is maybe put like decreasing the the grocery stores and increasing you know fast food you know therefore expanding these fast food, the amount of fast food people can get, and then refinement can be, you know, promoting this food as healthy, you know, having campaigns that this stuff is healthy and good for you, but, you know, that, it, it, that isn't true. You know, they'll put, for, in, for an example, they'll put, you know, things like, oh, eight, uh, 12 grams of protein on a Hot Pocket box, you know, and I'll get people thinking, oh, this is some good this is this must be good for you. It's got a lot of protein in it, but honestly, it's the it's one of the worst things you can eat. You know, it's <laughs> one of the worst things you can put in your body. 
You know, and that's just that just goes into you know the refinement of it. So I honestly think that food would fall into all four of these categories. Right. Yeah. Well, because it made me think of, I mean, this is just one example out of many, but I don't know if you guys recall, like with the KFC, the, that chicken sandwich where people were, were killing yeah. each other. Just a uh, yeah. Popeyes. 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 And now Popeyes. I have okay. Sorry. And my, my mistake, Popeyes. But yeah, the, it, re, it reminded me of that. And it's part of their plan of having all of us be at war with each other to help, you know, craft their master plan as they are continuing yeah. to do. Yeah, um, Neely, like, um, uh, Neely Fuller says that to expect um, the food that comes from white supremacists to either poison the body or the mind of non-white people. And like, um, food desert, like, like, I think we should start calling um, like places like, like you mentioned, the, um, like food de- desert, like South Central Oakland areas that I'm familiar with and some people in this group are. Just call those places concentration camps, where like you know, where poverty, suffering, destruction is, is concentrated on non-white people by the system of white supremacy. Um, like I think that's more fitting um, way terminology because does that make sense to call these places that? Yes. Okay. Yes, I agree. Okay. They came out last year. They came out. They came out with the um, Popeye sandwich at the beginning of the year, and I just noticed the other day that they came out with one um, for KFC this year. And it's like a timed thing. Like every new year, they come out with this new sandwich. But I definitely think that it's a uh, chemical warfare, and I definitely think that they count on a lot of non-white people working in these establishments as slave labor as I was one one of the people that ended up in that system and they don't take care of you. Alrighty, I think it's time to get into, um, well, does anyone, if, unless people have anything else to share. Oh, policing, policing, hiring, you know, screening white police, Nazi police. Oh yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, we're, we're gonna get there for the area of law, race soldiers, race officers. Yeah, the police are are like I think that's all for it too. Police are all for it because like, all right, I remember when I was just like you know just I was aware of some things like the hyper militarization of the police, and I was just seeing the police get like new gear, get tanks in South Central, and get like just get new equipment every year. And now you look at them, they look like. Rebel cops, super cops, you know, some of them like you can't even see their their faces anymore, all the technology that they they have. And it's real um um scary, but as I understand the system, you know, I know how to minimize um the chances of me um being murdered by a uh, a race soldier. But yeah, I think they're all for for sure. Also wanted to say like having uh black cops is like refinement of white supremacy too because it kind of makes it seem like there's these cops like this they're not race soldiers or something i've seen i've seen more than once where they've brought in a a uh, black officer to make it look like they weren't being racist when they were arresting a black man. And they've even said, 
oh, well, my, my partner is black, so you can't claim racism. And well, yeah, you can, but you know, just under this, under the white supremacy system, that that's just okay. That, um, that reminded me of Man, I think, uh, something. Go ahead. I think we should like, you know, call that what it is. Um, Sandra, which is um racially showcase, you know, that, that, that person, that's a technique strategy white people use. They racially showcase a non-white person to get away with things. But Ezekiel, um, thank you. Yeah, that uh, that reminds me of kind of that. Uh, I haven't seen it. This is the only one I've heard, but with the Capitol Hill incident where that white woman got shot by the black cop. Um, I'm not sure what that means, you know, but I definitely think that that's a powerful image uh, that has a lot of significance. I don't know how to really decode it at the moment, but I think that that somewhere along the lines that has to do a lot with what we're talking about and having, you know, that was kind of like a refinement or so, something along those lines. Yeah, maybe that was a racial white sacrifice. So you yeah. saying that lady that was climbing up, they, they trying to climb through the window that got shot, that was that was a black cop that shot her? That's what I've heard. I haven't no, seen it myself. I, I heard too. Wow, if black. that's true, I haven't. I mean, they are definitely not talking about it. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of things they don't talk about. Jeez. Um, yeah, I think it's time to talk about um, the six major white supremacist strategies and we can just do this kind of the same way we did the other ones um i'll read the first one um and it's um entirety um so the first one is racial classification confusion and it says the white supremacist racist classify people by color non-color based on the use of the word race there's no reason to be the member of a race except to mistreat someone because of color or non-color the only reason for being a member of a race is to practice racism white supremacy race is racism the only reason for practicing racism is to gain so-called benefits by mistreating people based on the so-called color classification of those people a person who functions as a member of a race is a racist. During the existence of white supremacy, racism, however, only a white person can function as a race member, the white race slash racist. The white supremacist, racist men and racist women collectively make sure that they use whatever so-called racial classifications that they can think of that will best help them to control the thought, speech, and action of the non-white people of the known universe. They do this to give greater strength and focus to the system of white supremacy. This is one of the basic ways that the white supremacists establish and maintain and expand and or refine racial confusion through illusion. Question, what can you say as an individual non-white person do about well what can you as an individual non-white person do about racial classification confusion answer 
as long as white supremacy racism exists, consistently use the terms white people, non-white people, black, brown, red, tan, beige, yellow, etc. And three, white supremacist races as the three racial classifications for the people of the known universe. Under all circumstances, avoid using any other terms. When others use any so-called racial classifications other than white, non-white, and white supremacist racist, ask for a detailed explanation that you can easily understand. Study all of the so-called racial classifications used by others. Ask questions about anything said that seems to be contradictory, confusing, and or non-explanatory. Be aware and or be alert for any so-called explanation that instead of clarity, focus, and logic only adds to the confusion. So yeah, um, I remember growing up and like black people hating being black so much that they would be like, I'm not black, I'm eggs, I'm Jamaican and and what they would say, Puerto Rican. I'm Indian. I'm Indian. I'm a, I'm a Dominican. I'm Dominican Indian. I'm not black. You know, I'm not African or whatever. So the racial, um, yeah, there we go. I'm Creole. Yep. <laughs> um, these racial classifications serve only um, the white supremacists. Uh, a good term to, I, I don't know if it was mentioned, but a good term to also use if you don't want to say non-white or, or um, black is um, non-race. And I'm not a member of a race because I'm a um, prisoner of war, you know? So any comments about the racial classification confusions? Any insight to share about that? Yeah, I think like the most, well, from what I've seen is the most confusing one is like people who hail from like South America, Central America. Like there's always a confusion about ethnicity race and nationality and that people will be like that person's Mexican and I'm always like well that doesn't tell me if they're white or not right that person can still be white and I think Neely Fuller talks about how those people are just so-called Indians those people are just Native American people right with with mixtures of like white and black so all other um (laughs) all other like when you say, you know, that person is Latino, et cetera, it's just adding to the confusion. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like I, I'm totally confused about, I wish um, Mr. Williams was um, here to clear some confusion I have about the um, Latinos, Hispanic situation. But I, but for the future, I would just ask them, if someone says they're Latino or Mexican, I would just say, are you white or are you not white? Because I don't know, Mexican, I, don't, I really don't. I'm, I've been made not the bright, not the see, not the brightest. See, there, there goes that racist logic programming coming out. Uh, I am not the um, smartest. Yeah, it's a big complication yeah. with race in, in Central America. It, it's like you have a group of people. We're all the same group of people, but some don't define themselves as black, and some do. Or if you do try to say, hey, you're, you're Black because you're under this, 
then they kind of deny it and be like, oh, no, like, Hondurians are Griffina as well as Belizeans, but most Hondurians don't believe that they are Black. They believe that they are Latin, Latin, right? It's, it's, it's the same... It's the same bloodline you come from. So if your ancestors originated from a place in Africa and then they dissect themselves to spread through Central America, you are literally considered a Black person, regardless. Mm. They just mix themselves a lot with the Mayans and the natives and the, you know, et cetera. But you're still the sense of being black yeah i would have to, i would say that um that i see most of this racial classification confusion coming from um yeah especially like carissa saying like the central americans native uh basically non-white people i see them you know the ones the most causing that kind of confusion and it's really coming back coming down and you know self-hate uh i i told somebody that we were all from africa and you know he told me he's he's west indian you know he's not african like like we were saying so that was just my two cents something that i've observed which is so funny because it's like where how do you think the west indians got to the west indies (laughs) like do you think that they're they've always been I don't know. That's just so much confusing. Very true. Um, As far as racial, I mean, even me personally, um, when I was younger and I came from Ghana to uh, America, I did have like a noticeable accent. Um, And I do believe, you know, a lot of my black classmates were making fun about my skin. I even had a kid in particular that was the same color as me, our, you know, our skin tone was definitely dark. And he was even making fun of me saying, uh, my skin's so dark, blah, blah, blah. So I, I was trying to figure out, you know, what he meant by that. I said, we're both black, but he said I was African and he was, he was black. So. <clears throat> yeah, so what but- is an African-American? Uh, it's a racial classification created by a white supremacist. Makes to... absolutely no sense. Just causes confusion. Sorry to cut you off. So, yeah. No, that's it. It's a racial classification used to cause, you know, further division and conquer and confusion amongst the victims, amongst the prisoners of war. So, um, the, um, yeah. Sorry, uh, Ben, even, even a comment on that, you know, um, even me, myself, you know, I've had, I, I was born in America, you know, to uh, African parents. And, you know, I definitely would say I've, I've spent some time in, in Ghana. And I would definitely say I identify more as an African than I do as an African American. But even that has become like such a confusing thing to even like pick sides, I guess. Very weird, you know, just straight confusion. So, you know, I can't fill out a a uh, 
a document that asked me for my race or nationality and it says African-American slash black, but you know, I don't want to say I identify as any of those. You know, it's just, just very confusing stuff. And I think that's the only reason why it's been put in place is to cause confusion. Mm. <laughs> and then black, that's a color. Mm-hmm. So are we black? Yeah. Uh, yeah, black, non-white, whatever you're most more comfortable in calling yourself, non, non-race, non-white, black. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're discriminated against based on your color, you might as well define yourself by your color. What about indigenous or non-indigenous? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like indigenous, indigenous to where? Because white people aren't indigenous to anywhere. They, they, have, not, to, they have to be because because they can't cause like unless they they all come down from the from the space and the rocket ship. They have to come from Earth somewhere. So I think we're all I think also Earth. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I think also one thing to note, you know, is you know, then he said that uh, black people, you know, don't come from anywhere, but. If you look at most indigenous people, a lot of them are very dark. You know, a lot of them do have dark skin. So, I mean, even there's been the whole thing about black people and Native Americans in America itself that, you know, there wasn't just black people didn't come to America just from slave ships. You know, there was actually black people that lived here in America before that. So and Mm -hmm. they would technically be indigenous. So. Well, I just find it quite interesting how we, you know, they use the term um, black, brown and indigenous people. And I don't know. No, if you look at our skin tone, it's not pure black. If you hear that makes sense. We're we're brown. We're considered brown. The rest of the folks who call themselves brown, they're really beige. So I don't know. That term right there is a bunch of chaos and confusion, too, honestly. Yeah, I yeah. feel like maybe it's just best to use white, non-white. Yeah, <laughs> that's I what I was going to say. Like, I've heard so many yeah. people say, I'm brown, and I'm like, we're <laughs> like, They're all yeah. white. Yeah. <laughs> I've also always have been um, quite quite aware of that reality, that you're really, like, kind of vanilla, if anything, if that's even a color. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, so, yeah, so yeah. is everyone getting clarity on, like, hey, I'm just... A prisoner of war, sometimes I'm black or I'm not white or non-race. Is that something clicking? Is that clicking for everyone? Yeah, honestly, and this, having this discussion, you know, is causing a lot of confusion and it's just better to, you know, use white and non-white, uh, <laughs> honestly. Just imagine when we were kids, it was even more confusing, especially taking tests and you have to bubble in your race. You mm-hmm. just be so confused to what you need to do. <laughs> I was always confused because too many different things and they'd always want me to condense it to one and it's like but I'm just as much this one is that one and they're like no you're more one than the other but they always tried to put me in a box and I always felt that it was kind of obnoxious like how hard they tried to get me to commit to you know to one of these labels. We used to be Negroes. And then we went from Negro uh, to what was the next one after that? Colored. And then we went from colored to black. Yeah. And then we went from black to African-American. 
What's next? I got a new one. I got a new one. What? I think people, I've seen this a lot, and people are calling themselves ADOS, African descendants of slavery. And, you know, that that for me, and that's causing a lot of confusion and chaos as it is, because now, you know, when you bring up reparations, it's like, well, you know, trying to exclude some Black people, it's like everybody has, you know, suffered and needs (laughs) some kind of repair job, you know, done. Yeah. That's like it, well, it just, I don't know. I don't agree with that. I, I don't know. Okay, well, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's a that's a that's a side conversation. Yeah, we can talk about that, that another right. time. Um, but, it, but yeah, I think that's this is a great example. Um, I think you can also just say I'm whatever the white supremacist tells me I am when, when asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could I add one thing to the racial classification confusion? Go for it. Um, when you start adding in. Uh, a white parent or like non-white with a white parent, that adds um, a lot of confusion. Um, with the like so-called Asians, it's like usually like a like a white a white man with the LA Asian Rogers. female. And then then sometimes that offspring can function as a white person because we shouldn't use oh, the term yeah. honorary white person. It's in the I think in the word guide. Because that that has confused me in the past quite a bit. Um, non-white with a white parent and it's like a so-called Asian. So. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot I Rogers. also think there's like a concerted effort to turn Asian people into white people by like a lot of intermarriage between Asian yeah. women and white men. Say it louder, Ash. Well, well, to make them better <laughs> slaves are better are like more like to make them function as better servants to the whites because um can can Asian people truly be um function as white people like I mean at one point Italian people couldn't hmm. I I have no clue like um I think it's whoever the white supremacist wants to be white. Yeah. I know when I was in Santa Rita all the Black and brown people were on the inside, and all the Asians and whites were on the outside. I know that. I was in jail. <laughs> mm. Mm, so I think it's time to move on. Anyone want to read the second one? You don't have to read all of it, just as much as you care to. I go ahead and read that that one. So racial population dislocation confusion. The white supremacist racist man, man oh. the white supremacists often selectively force large and small numbers of non-white people to move from one place to another. They guarantee that the system of white supremacy is maintained forever. Oh sorry. They apparently have often judged it necessary to do this if they intend to guarantee that the system of white supremacy is maintained forever. Racist man and racist woman usually practice racial population dislocation confusion against non-white people by causing, promoting, and or taking non-just advantage of food shortages, water shortages, shelter shortages, the spread of disease slash germs, the distribution of poison slash chemicals, armed conflicts, fire destruction, floods, earthquakes, legal decision and or ownership disputes or trickery. 
the methods that they use and intend to continue to use will be similar to those methods used to conduct racial population tailoring. During the existence of the, white, the system of white supremacy, the white people of the known universe, generally speaking, have the privilege of relocating either among or away from the non-white people. The non-white people of the known universe are dislocated whenever the white supremacists decide to cause them to be dislocated. The white supremacists go where they choose to go. Non-white people go where the white supremacists allow them to go. Mm. Um, does everyone understand that bit? Yeah, uh, it reminds me, I, I used the term relocate earlier, and I don't know, I, I feel if the system of racism and white supremacy didn't exist, maybe I wouldn't have to have relocated, you know, maybe <laughs> I could have gotten along with uh, the people I was living with, but because the system of racism and white supremacy exists, I, I in a sense, was dislocated. Yeah, I, I have also been dislocated multiple times um, due to racist man and racist woman. Uh, I'm sure many of us in this um, struggle have been. Any comments about um, racial population dislocation? Yeah, I think personally, like it's prob probably one of the most powerful tools used right now in terms of like, like worldwide, I would say. You can see how a lot of people like are like, either pushed into cities and then subsequently like pushed out of cities and given like and put into places where there's like no work no access to like food etc and it's like you literally just and you just see people migrating all the time like like I think I was talking to Carice and she was telling me she knows people who have moved like five or six times within this year and how common that is for a lot of people especially non-white people and so I think that like, it's the most powerful tool being used right now personally, because that constant displacement makes it really hard to build any form of like grouping that can actually like, you know, fight against racism, white supremacy. When you're constantly moving, your mind is constantly on the most barest minimum of like how to survive, I think. Mm. Yeah, huge stress there having to like move and relocate constantly uh, i feel like apartment buildings they do that a lot they feel like oh we're gonna renovate it we're gonna remodel it and then they decide to move all these people in a specific area and then they'll be like oh well we'll um let you know when it's finished but then they they move a whole new different set of people in there and leave you where you at. So I feel like they do that a lot in communities as they trying to revamp. Thank you. Yeah, there's, Thank there's, you for that. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to write quick. I worked for the city of Oakland for 25 years and I know for a fact that they did not provide the services for certain areas. They allowed the property values because of city services policing and other structural infrastructure services were not being deliberately delivered so that the property values would drop. Uh, people who were living in, in maybe rental properties, um, 
and and other and, and other other uh like maybe um section eight or whatever um property values just totally drop and so then white people come in and buy it up cheap and evict you because you can't afford to and that's the system that's how they systematically same thing happened in san francisco i was born and raised in san francisco it was 18 percent black when i was growing up then um, now it's two percent black yeah wow. yeah that now i got movies called the last black man of san francisco thank you <laughs> tragic and right. white right. supremacy um 101 right there Right. No, well, Silicon Valley moved in and drove up the property values and in cahoots with the city of San Francisco, um, started moving people out. And then where do they move? Stockton, uh, Sacramento. Um, no jobs out there unless you're a truck driver. Mm. All righty. Yeah, and I wanted to add to yeah. like in those cities in San Francisco and New York and LA, 50% of those luxury buildings are empty. So if they're if they wanted to house everyone, they could. They choose not to. It's a concerted effort. And they stay empty. So a lot of times they're not even recuperating the money that they got in building them. Racism, white supremacy. Oh, I had some, something I'd like to add in uh, to you know the racial population dislocation. Um, a phrase that comes to mind with the dislocation is something in uh, so-called black culture. Black parents do at eighteen, you getting out of my house is something that comes to mind um, because of uh, throughout this whole pandemic situation. I had to move and I presented to my attempted mother. I, I did the math. <laughs> and, and also this is something that happened in the uh, city I live in. The uh, property manager or, or, or the realty person, they came out on the 4th of July with a racist rant. And they was like, I'm proud to be white. And they went in on every non-white group, black people, so-called Mexicans, Asians, and they own like 40% of the uh, property in the city. And when I did the math and I showed my mom, I, pay, I lived in this prison cell of an apartment for four years. I was like, this is about $20,000 of rent money I paid this racist. And I just sent his racist child probably through college. I paid for their tuition. Meanwhile, I don't have a degree. And see, that's, that's, real, that's real, real systemic. And see, this is, sorry, sorry, this, I got to get in here. The, 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 you know, the suburbs were created, you know, the projects, for example, there's some projects called the Sunnydale Projects in San Francisco. Those were white. Those projects, most, most housing projects were built after World War II because those, there was white soldiers coming home with their money from the war and there weren't housing. There wasn't housing for them. It wasn't a financial issue. They didn't have houses. Everybody was too busy fighting the war to build houses for people to live in. So the government had to come in and hurry up and build a bunch of housing for these white soldiers and people. And when the economy improved, 
they, <clears throat> the government uh, uh, gave huge loans to private contractors to build the suburbs and then subsidized loans for the white people to borrow the money to go move out into the suburbs. And so these projects started getting, becoming vacant. They had black projects, but they were segregated. And these white projects became, started to get more and more vacancies, more and more vacancies, and more and more black people started to move in because the loans weren't available to black people for those, for those uh, subdivisions in the suburbs. That's how we got relegated into the projects. It wasn't, you're lazy, you're not working, you, 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 you know, you, you, you're trifling. No, no, they, they, it, was, it was white supremacist racism, pure. Alrighty. Does anyone want to read um, racial population tailoring confusion? A bit of that. Okay. This racial population tailoring confusion. This means that white supremacists, racists may kill large numbers of non-white people, either directly or indirectly in selected areas on a massive scale. They will kill them by drying out or poisoning the water supply, dumping poisonous waste, etc. They tailor the population for the purpose of maintaining better control over all the remaining non-white people. They have many ways of doing this. The white supremacists sometimes kill large numbers of non-white people on an ongoing, well-thought-out basis. They do not intend to kill all the non-white people of the known universe. They intend to tailor the number of non-white people by killing a calculated number in different places at different times, according to whatever will best fit any long-term or short-term plans that racist men and racist women have in mind for better control and future domination and mistreatment of non-white people. Part of the white supremacist racist plan of killing selected populations of non-white people is to from time to time produce situations among non-white people that will guarantee that they will out in anger, frustration, jealousy, want, and or confusion kill each other. All of this racial population tailoring is designed to have the effect of guaranteeing that the non-white people of the known universe in their greatest numbers will not be of any major constructive value to any people except racist men and racist women. What can you, as an individual, do I read that part? Um, it's, it's your choice, but um, I don't, it may not be necessary. But it's up to you. I think it could be constructive for the people watching if you want to, but your, your choice, I'm sorry. Okay. What can you, as an individual non-white person, do about racial population tailoring confusion? Do your best to get enough information. Wait, wait, wait. Can you, can you repeat that, please? What can you, as an individual non-white person, do about racial population tailoring confusion? Then it has stuff below that. Yeah, and then the answer to that is um, do your best to get enough information about how you can best avoid every situation that is likely to involve you and killing people or being killed by people and always expect the unexpected. Seek to, under, 
seek to know or understand the different methods that racist men and racist women use to kill non-white people in order to tailor non-white populations in various places in order to satisfy whatever plans they have made for the current or future benefit to the system of white supremacy. As long as white supremacy racism exists, always speak and or act as if you know for sure that racist men and racist women will not stop committing acts of racial population tailoring. Inform others about whatever you believe that the white supremacists are likely to do and their practice of racial population tailoring. Be willing to help others avoid situations where non-just bodily harm is likely to occur. When there are no better choices, use counter-racist counter-violence to defend yourself and or others as best as you can. Anyone have any comments, questions about racial population tailoring confusion? I don't know if it's in the 1984 edition. Um, my only comments were when I read that, I started thinking about Flint. I'm all, I'll, I'll, I'm always remember remember that. Um, it just got me thinking about what's going on over there. I haven't, you know, heard anything about a, a count or how many people, you know, are dying over there because of the water issue. As far as I'm aware, that issue is still ongoing. So uh, I definitely know a lot of people have been affected. And I wonder if tailoring only includes killing. You know, what if, you know, it, it, it could it, it possibly include, you know, um, leaving people handicapped, you know, unable to provide for themselves or, you know, actively do something against racism and white supremacy? Also sterilization. Mm-hmm. Sterilization. So maybe maybe tailoring shouldn't only be limited to killing. I don't know. Maybe that's a, something I could ask Neely Fuller. Yeah, and also, ah, oh, shoot. Oh yeah, um, and also, um, um, he he didn't mention how they they will like destroy like a dam and flood a city to kill people. How they may have weapons. No, they do have weapons to control the weather. There's a documentary I, I watched recently about how they were controlling the weather in Vietnam to to, to um, prolong the monsoon season. So they have um, weapons to control the weather, produce earthquakes, I believe. So um, they have many ways of tailoring the population. So um, it's just something to be aware of on, in the system of racism and white supremacy. I think that anytime that there's an emergency, they have a way of exploiting it to take the power back if, if, if they felt that the non-white people were getting power that one of these things would come. Yeah, there's actually a, a white woman wrote a book about that. It's called like disaster. It's like, it's called the shock doctrine. And it's how basically like after any sort of natural disaster, they come in and they basically find, like they did that in Katrina and they find ways to exploit the people that are there and displace them and then bring in like new money, new housing, things like that. Mm. Yep. You just made me think about this massive, just unprecedented land grab that's happening in Africa. They're buying just, just acres and acres of that land over there. Cause yeah, cause they, they know what's under. 
And so they're moved there since they own it, they're able to do with the population what they would, what they would. And the corrupt governments are just taking whatever money they can get from the people that are buying the property. And so, you know, if I win this Powerball, which is 600 million, or if I win the, the, uh, the mega millions, you know, I don't know if you heard about it. They're they're up to five hundred million and six hundred million. But uh, I would go to Africa and 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 because our African brothers and sisters are far less educated on white supremacy than we are. They're totally, totally indoctrinated. I mean, it's it's unbelievable um, how much. The, the the what 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 we all suffer from that are not woke the Stockholm syndrome they have fallen in love with their captors and so they need this they need they need what we're doing so what I would like to do is take all of this literature what we're gonna you know all the stuff we're studying and and more all our black studies and grow food and teach black studies in Africa <laughs> mm. that's definitely constructive. For sure. Any more comments of um, racial population, tailoring confusion? You often hear this call um, population control or, um, yeah, population control. Oh, I, I, it reminds me of what I wanted to say. Um, uh, chemical warfare. Um, when the whites were coming over here killing the natives, more natives were killed by um, germs and, and diseases given to them by... Um, white people than they were by guns and a lot of them were killed by guns so chemical warfare seems to be a big favorite that white people like to use actually i read a book about like native american history and it said that that's actually not true and that's propagated by white people oh, and dang. that they actually did just outright kill them oh dang like yeah well nonetheless <laughs> white killing lots of killing involved and Population tailoring <laughs> confusion. Any comments, or should we? Can someone read some of um, the next one? I think um, the only options are the people who have 2016 version because this stuff is not in the old versions. I'll just read it. Um, so ratio showcasing confusion. Um, I think I'm gonna read the the part that's really it's a lot, so I'm only gonna read the parts that's really important. All of it's important, but enough so people can understand. So this is like from the middle of the definition, and uh, he says the white supremacists sometimes carefully select and give great amounts of money and or publicity to large but carefully controlled numbers of non-white people. The white supremacists sometimes present, showcase the chosen non-white persons as being extremely wealthy, extremely comfortable, and or mostly and extremely, and or mostly and falsely extremely powerful. The white supremacists showcase these selected non-white people as being totally successful and not being victimized by and or being subject to the system of white supremacy, racism. The purpose of this is that so if any non-white person starts talking about racism in the future, 
they will be laughed at because they because it may appear that white supremacy has been put out of business. However, white supremacy is a world business and like any other business, it works according to the logic of profits and losses, which means percentages. When one business, when one goes into business, one expects some loss. The white supremacists know that the cost of doing the business of white supremacy can increase or decrease. Racially showcasing carefully selected non-white people is one of the major ways that the white supremacists help themselves to maintain, expand, and or refine the system of white supremacy. So it, that's racial showcasing and brief. Um, just think of like your celebrity, just think of anyone who um, will like you to call them their leader. Uh, anyone who um, seems to be a celebrity or a public figure, so-called influencer. There's many titles they give themselves, but unless they're talking about solving the problem, um, I wouldn't consider them to be constructive or um, anything other than being racially showcased. Any comments about this one? Yeah, I think um, this one is also a really powerful strategy because I, I remember reading something about how like the, the states in America that have, you know, some of the worst conditions for black people are run by, or so-called run by black people. There's a lot of like black governors, black mayors, et cetera, who have, who like are racially showcased and do the bidding of white supremacy. So I think that that's like a really important thing that, because it's not just like the people, like celebrities, it's like, like when we, when we think about wanting to vote for a certain person because they're black, like they probably have reached that position because they've been racially so showcased. And unless, you know, they've given you some signs that they're aware that they're racially showcased, I would err on the side of caution of trusting them. Yep. Well said, Ash. Mm. Any comments about racial showcasing confusion? Um, <clears throat> well, I think that this one was definitely like Ash was saying the, you know, uh, the best one. I don't know, lack of a better word. Like I think that no, this is the most confusing one. It took up three pages. I think this is something that we see a lot of, and that even those of us for, uh, speaking for myself, even though I'm less confused than I was, I still fall for this sometimes. Um, but racial racial showcasing is a huge huge problem, and it's honestly something that's very difficult to to deal with, especially when people are, at least in the past, it's been very difficult to deal with deal with that when people have addressed it or brought it up. But thank you, Neely, for for giving me a strategy and some methods to tackle that. Yeah, for real. Like we should all be like have a easier time like avoiding being confused by um other victims because they're 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 not the problems. The problem is white people, white supremacists collectively. You know. Yeah. Um I think we should get into a closing comments, I believe. Anyone would like to start? <clears throat> I can go ahead and start. 
Um, so this is my first day at the book club. Uh, I enjoyed the, the stimulating conversation. Really looking forward to coming back next week. I enjoyed it. Hope everybody does come back. Um, this the book. The book is good. You know, I think this is some tangible, you know, information that I can, you know, actively put into my life every day, <clears throat> practice it. So this is definitely something that's different um, than a lot of the other stuff I've read. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna continue to incorporate that into my life, and I'll come back and report on it. Tell you guys how it went. Yeah. And I can go next um, to close off. <clears throat> this was definitely uh, so far something just so great, a great addition to my life. I feel like just to add on to what Kwaku says, like it's definitely something that's tangible and something we can live by, which I like because we always have those things that say, hey, you should do this and you should do that. And it's just like a say. And it's nothing that you can read and you can follow that you can have in your hands. And every time you do something you're like, you know, I, I wasn't, that wasn't a codified response. Let me go back to the book, right? Let me go back to this, the source. And I think that is very important to have, especially um, in this day and age, because we're so heavily on our internet, the social media is like, you know what, let me step away from the devices and actually have a tangible book to go to and to carry around with me that's not on a device that can be manipulated and, and wrapped, you know, wrapped around different things and miss, uh, miss messages. But yeah, so I'm so glad that I am reading this book and I'm ready to get through it <laughs> with all of you and have discussions about it. Thank you. Well said. Um, yeah, I'm, it was nice hearing, um, hearing that from, um, from y'all. I, um, I'm just happy, blah, 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 I'm not happy. I'm like, I am grateful to see, like, fellow prisoners of war, um, you know, attempting to get on code, learn code, and share the code. So maybe we can put a dent into this problem or solve this problem in the next five years or so. I believe it is possible. I know it's possible, actually. Um, so uh, it's really epic having um, Edward Williams here, being able to share some of his insight with us. Hopefully, uh, he'll be back next week. But just the uh, knowledge sharing and um, the really, really seriousness of um, the topic we're learning, and like the openness to um, you know accept the reality. I, I have learned the hard way that um, non-white people have a aversion and a <laughs> allergy to truth. It's very uncomfortable to realize that um, there's a war being waged against us. But um, the people who realize and do something about it are like perhaps some of the bravest people in the universe. I could be incorrect, but I, I am leaning towards that. Well said. I just, I just feel very fortunate to be in this, in this club with you, young brainiacs. Um, um, to be, to be, just I feel honored, you know, to to be to to be accepted into this group, to be able to exchange thoughts and ideas and information with you know, with such intellect, you know, me being the probably the least educated in the group. <laughs> uh, 
I'm getting, I'm getting some, um, you know, you're keeping me young, you're keeping me fresh and excited and stimulated to uh, fight the good fight and to stay woke and to, you know, take every opportunity to point out to white folks that, you know, the reason they have what they have is because of genocide and enslavement um, um, in, in a tactful way. I don't just go attacking, but, you know, and I ask them oftentimes, how does it feel to know that all of your privilege and what you have is because of uh, murder, robbery? You know, I, I, I really, I really, you know, dig in on them. A better question, because it's not white, it's not privilege, it's white power. And um, we have to really be careful about calling um, white supremacy um, a privilege. It's a power system. It's not a privilege to be able to go shoot a um, black male or black female dead. That's that's power. So maybe ask him, well, how does it feel to have, have such awesome power? You know, how's All, it right. Feel? All right. Yeah. Thank you. I will do that. <laughs> no worries. No worries. But yeah. Um, yeah. I feel I always... Um... Oh, okay. Oh, by what's your thing? I would say any um victim attempting to counter the, this problem is a is an invaluable asset. Carice, you're gonna say something? Um, I'm excited for this book. Finally, I got my copy. So, just to learn off of each other and to spread the word and to know the code because I didn't know that some strategies are created for confusion or to make us be misled. So just to know the strategies and different ways to get ourselves on code, is, it makes me feel more um, hopeful. So I think educating yourself always makes you feel hopeful about um, defeating white supremacy. Ezra, um, yeah, closing comments for me. Um, I definitely will say, you know, just to pick it back off what everybody's saying, um, you know, this is probably one of the most, I mean, it's probably the most constructive thing going on in my life. Um, and, you know, I'm always open to learning more. Every time I come into this book club meeting, I always learn something new. And, you know, I go back into everyday life and able to recognize, you know, some of the symbols, some of the situations, you know, and act accordingly. So I'm always grateful to the book club. And, you know, I definitely will be back. This book is just, you know, it's, you know, I've, I've had many conversations about racism, white supremacy. And the one thing, you know, people ask me is you, what are you going to do about it? You know, I don't know. I have no idea why they would ask me, me that, you know, a regular black, male in America who has absolutely no power, you know, and I just like to show them that this, th these are my solutions here. These are the small steps that, you know, all of us can start taking, you know, to, to actually do something about the problem. The problem, we're talking about 2000 years of oppression, even yeah, four, maybe even more. Yeah, 4,000 is a more accurate number. 4, but Ezra, I would say Thank to you, you, when people ask you what you're gonna do about it, you could probably say, I'm gonna attempt to solve the problem. What are you gonna do? <clears throat> You know, because you are, I believe everyone here is attempting to solve the problem because that's the whole purpose of this book club is to 
solve this problem and it's definitely very possible so i, I think it would be a nice rebuttal for you next time yeah especially if that person yeah honestly that's definitely a good answer so what are you saying Ash? if that person is also non-white then i think that should be your question is wait what are we doing about it like are you also, aren't you also you know under a system of racism white supremacy Oh, well, obviously, you know, <laughs> if they're asking me that, we have different definitions, right? For some reason, we're facing different oppression. But what can I say, man? Uh, my eyes are open a little bit more. You know, I'm, I'm less confused, a less confused, happy slave, just wandering around the world aimlessly, just trying to have fun. No more is no longer. So I'm grateful, man. I'll be here next week because, you know, knowledge is power, man. And, and I was really glad to see Edward Williams in, in, the, in the meeting today. We were talking about that, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, he finally picked Swap. Uh -oh. So I definitely, I hope he'll, he'll show up again next week because, man, you know, there's something about that guy talking. But anyways, that's my comments this week. Yeah. Well said. Thanks, thanks. Dan, would you like to... Um, okay, uh, one thing I will add, uh, privilege, it is in the word guide, uh, page 301, privilege, use this term to apply to the will plus the ability to seek truth and to use truth in such a manner as to promote the production of justice and correctness. And I'll also add, um, it's, it's uh, constructive to uh, exchange views with uh, other people that are trying to get uh, familiar with the code and United Independent. Uh, agreed. Well said. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we shall surely see um, whoever is comes next week. Next week. You know? Hey, how about this?